Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson. Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Happy New Year, Katie. Happy New Year, Keith. It's the first time I've actually talked to you since, golly, I don't know when, sometime last year? It's actually really bizarre. It's I mean, been, we, we, it's been like a break, a real break. I think, I think we've slacked one another, but like, yes, I haven't verbally spoken. to you. No. Correct. No, not in real time. Um, well, <laughs> we saved it for the podcast. <laughs> we saved it for the pod. Um, well, <laughs> as always... The Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, our first show of 2022, we've got so much chart news. And at the top yes, of we that... Do. At the top of that chart news uh, list is the fact that Disney's soundtrack to the animated film Encanto hits number one on the Billboard 200, the first number one soundtrack in over two years since Disney's own Frozen 2 hit number one in 2019. And on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, the Encanto track We Don't Talk About Bruno jumps from number 50 all the way to number five. Uh, Believe it or not, And we'll get into this in a second. It's rare for an animated film soundtrack, even from Disney, to hit number one on the Billboard 200. And Encanto is just the sixth animated film soundtrack to top the list and the fifth from Disney. So which of your favorite Disney animated film soundtracks did not hit number one? Well, we'll dive into that in just a moment. Also on the show, we take a look at the very odd awards landscape so far in 2022, from the Golden Globes going off the grid to the Grammys being postponed to the spring. What does it all mean for the idea of this, you know, winter awards season we've gotten used to? We'll talk about that and much more. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, the soundtrack to the Walt Disney animated musical film Encanto surges to number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart as the set jumps seven to one in its sixth week on the list. It's the first soundtrack to hit number one in over two years since Disney's own Frozen 2 chilled at number one for one week on the chart dated December 14th, 2019. This is very, very big news in my house, Keith, just FYI. We have not spoken, so you might not know just how much my children are obsessed with this music. I think your children and all of America's children are obsessed with this music. (laughs) All the children of America. All the children of America. Um, (laughs) Well, Encanto earned 72,000 equivalent album units in the United States in the week ending January 6th, and that's up 76% compared to the previous week. And of course, this is according to MRC data. 
Streaming activity of the album's songs drove the majority of that unit sum, and the album's two most popular songs are We Don't Talk About Bruno and Surface Pressure, both of which make big moves on the Hot 100, but more on that in just a second. Last week's number one album, Adele's 30, falls to number two after six weeks at number one. Uh, now, I've got oodles and oodles of Encanto information. Hmm. Um, and if I don't get to all of it, you can always read my story on Billboard.com. Yeah. Uh, so the, the soundtrack, which has songs or all the songs were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, was released on November 19th before the film was released in theaters on November 24th. Um, and then the movie came out on the streaming service Disney Plus on December 24th which is likely driving a lot of the attention and promotion and buzz and streams around the movie's soundtrack in the past two weeks when it jumped into the top 10 a week ago and then to number one this week. Um, notably, this is where I start to overwhelm Katie with statistics. Notably, Encanto mm -hmm. um, is kind of a rare example of a number one album that didn't debut at number one. Yeah. Um, uh, Encanto actually debuted at 197 <laughs> on the chart dated December 11th, and then it moved to 162, to 179, to 110, then to 7, and then to 1. The last album to climb to number 1, meaning the last album that was a number 1 album that didn't debut at number 1, was The Kid Leroy's F Love, on the August 7th, 2021 chart, and it reached number one in its 53rd week following multiple deluxe reissues that added additional songs. That album actually debuted at number eight more than a year before it hit number one. So it feels like, and you mentioned that it came to Disney Plus, and so that's why a wider audience is now enjoying these songs. It feels like there's nothing weirder to me than listening to a movie soundtrack out of context. And so you really like there are more songs that you want to like revisit after having seen the movie, you know, and, and knowing the narrative and everything. I, I know that our coworker Andrew Unterberger last week, he kind of saw that these Encanto songs had jumped and decided to listen you know, to see what the buzz was about. And it was like, what is up with this weird, you know, we don't talk about Bruno song. It's like, you really want to see the movie and know the whole thing. And I'm really glad that I got to see the movie before hearing any of the music, because I feel like, you know, hearing it for the first time in the story is, is how it should be enjoyed personally. Um, yeah. And I got to see it in the theater as well as then revisit it on Disney plus when it came out there. Wow. Yeah, I, this is the first movie I've seen my first pandemic movie in the theater. It was for a birthday party. So the birthday kid had the whole movie theater to himself. And so it was just our friends. And uh, I was obsessed with this movie, like on the spot, seeing it in the theater. Wow. That is some yeah. high praise. And so now you've <laughs> seen you, now you've seen the movie multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I sure, I'm sure it will not be the last time either. I mean, we've been listening to it so much. It seems like only a matter of time. The kids are just going to want to put on the, you know, the visual aspect as well and not just listen. So, um, well, I, some other fun facts I noted uh, about, um, the soundtrack, um, it, it, as, as Gary sort of helped me kind of, uh, nuance Gary trust, uh, the other senior director of charts, um, reflecting a trend for soundtracks, um, which can build, 
as buzz for their parent films do, much like we just saw Katie sort of describe as people goes and sees a film and then they were like, well, I want to get the album. I want to experience the music again, which Mm -hmm. is what a soundtrack should be doing. Um, Encanto is the first album to debut outside the top 10 and then go to number one at any point later since Frozen 2 debuted at number 15 and later hit number one. And get this, the last album to debut outside the top 40 and go to number one was the soundtrack to The Greatest Showman, which started at number 71 and then later hit number one. So it's all making sense. It all makes sense. Now, here's the real wackadoodle statistic. So Encanto debuted at 197. 197. Now, the last album. Actually, how about this? There have only been two other albums that debuted between numbers 197 and 200 on the Billboard. Thanks for not making this a quiz, Katie. (laughs) Yeah. On the Billboard 200, which only has 200 titles on it, only. There have only been two albums that debuted between 197 and 200 outside of Encanto that eventually hit number one. Back in 1969, Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin II debuted at 199 and then hit number one in its eighth week. And before that, the only album to debut between 197 and 200, aside from the two we just talked about, was The Monkey's Headquarters, which started at 197 on June 10th, 1967, and reached number one in its third week. By the way, the Billboard 200 only became a 200-position chart in May of 1967. Uh, We call it the Billboard 200, even though the chart was a shorter chart before then. But, (laughs) you know, that's (laughs) nuances and complications. But anyway, that's a lot of uh, information uh, to digest around the soundtrack. Um, But wow, what a week for Encanto on the album chart. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I am not surprised as you heard my, uh, you know, enthusiasm about it uh, after seeing it for the first time. But, you know, Keith, you wrote about this on Sunday, but it's worth pointing out that um, Encanto is just the sixth animated film soundtrack to hit number one since the Billboard 200 began regularly publishing back in 1956. And Encanto follows Frozen 2, Frozen, the Curious George soundtrack from Jack Johnson, Pocahontas, and The Lion King. And all, of course, but Curious George were Disney movies. So, as you've probably surmised... That means some of the most beloved Disney animated films from the studio never saw their soundtracks hit number one. That includes The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, and Tarzan, and Coco, and Moana. Even if we extend our reach to Disney's Pixar studio films, soundtracks from Toy Story, Cars, Monsters, Inc., and all of their sequels, none of them got to number one. What about, like, the top ten? Did they get to the top ten? So of all those that I just rattled off, the ones that hit the top ten were Aladdin, which got to number six. Tarzan got to number four. Cars also reached number six. And Moana got to number two in January of 2017. But still, I was going to say Moana yeah. feels like the one that you might guess would hit number one. So the fact that it was number two, because um, it had a similar... Uh, uh, trend of its songs hitting the Hot 100 when it came out. Um, yeah. Like The Rock made his Hot 100 debut yes. with "You're Welcome," um, and and it, and it crested on the chart at the same time. A lot of soundtracks usually 
peak in the early part of the year, like what we've seen happen with Encanto and Moana um, happens a lot in January after Christmas, before a lot of the big first quarter releases come out. There's a sweet spot for the first few weeks where soundtracks can flourish. And this was the right the right time and the right place, because we assume next week, the weekend's surprise new album, Dawn FM, which came out last Friday, is likely a contender for number one. So like, yes, I this hope Encanto hard- enjoyed its this, its week. It's moment in the sun, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I cannot stress the repeat <laughs> listenings that we were doing at our house. And that's another thing that's different from those classic soundtracks that you mentioned, like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Little Mermaid, in that there was no streaming. There was no, you know, there was no logging how many times parents were replaying these songs for their children's benefit. Um, and now there is. So we can really, like, actually register its popularity. And, uh, yeah, it's it's very popular with my four and one and a half year olds. So and the children of America, as we established. I think Katie is really trying to get across the idea that all they've been playing is the Encanto soundtrack for the past yes. two weeks. Well, so you've seen the movie, right, Keith? I have. Yep. Um, so the after so Calvin and I watched it uh, by ourselves at that birthday party in the theater. So uh, poor Dan has been hearing us sing these songs for a month and change because we saw it early December and um, and then he watched it for the first time on Disney Plus and Dan actually liked it, which is great, which is good for everybody's sanity. <laughs> Thank God. But, <laughs> and I think he appreciated the song like we don't talk about Bruno a lot more after seeing how it all fits in and the way the songs. I mean, the thing is, like, just like any Lin-Manuel music, the complicated lyrics the, um, you know, revisiting of certain themes throughout different songs in the soundtrack. It's like it gets more enjoyable each time you listen. And the way he like changes lyrics around throughout even one song, like Surface Pressure is a great example. You know, it's so catchy, but it's different in every chorus and in every verse. Each word is different. And Calvin and I are like trying to memorize the words and fi- and figure out each of the lyrics because they change and they're they're also witty and, and and clever and um, it's it's wild. And so it also like it just lends itself to repeat listens. Yeah. Because of you wanting to pick up every single nuance of each of these songs. Yeah. Just like just like in Hamilton, where all those yeah. songs are so intricate, so detailed, so layered, so many words that you kind of one, you kind of need to listen to them repeatedly. Yeah. And then yeah. two, you want to listen to them repeatedly. A hundred percent. And it reminds me, uh, I heard that. Lynn was inspired by Belle, the intro song from Beauty and the Beast, when he did the family Madrigal, mm. which really bears out. It's like, you know, you're getting to hear from each or like meet each of the characters like within the song. Um, and that one is the craziest as far as new things we pick up every time we listen to. So anyway, go watch the anyway. movie, everybody. Yeah, go watch the movie. <laughs> uh, a rousing endorsement from Katie. Jo- join us in this obsession. Um, I, I will quickly rattle off some other chart news, but I do um, encourage everyone to go to billboard.com slash chart dash beat. Um, here are some highlights of what you can read on billboard.com. Adele's Easy On Me goes back to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for an eighth non-consecutive week. Glass Animals Heat Waves hits the top five for the first time, jumping to number three. We Don't Talk About Bruno, the song we just talked about, goes from 50 to number five. We do talk about the song. 
Elton John and Dua Lipa's Cold Heart, the Pinal remix, reaches the top 10 for the first time. I didn't even know that, Keith. I'm so excited. That's um, amazing. And Kodak Black's Super Gremlin hits the top 10 for the first time, climbing 16 to 10. Um, there's tons and tons of action in the top 10 this week on the Hot 100 and on the entire chart um, because the chart is readjusting back to normal after the Christmas holiday season, um, where basically... You know, all the holiday songs that were on the chart last week, including most of the top 10, have all vaporized from the list. So basically anything that you thought was being held at bay for the past few weeks, well, it's all flying up the chart, including Elton and Dua. Elton is in the top 10 for the first time since January of 1998. There's so much more to say about this, but it's all on Billboard.com. Go read it. Go read it. Elton, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the show. Yeah, I mean, he's (laughs) such a chart fan. We got to just get him on and geek out about his own chart stats. Honestly, this needs to happen. Um, Speaking of things you might have missed on last season of Pop Shop Podcast, um, we have to talk about the awards season or, you know, what used to be the awards season, because it seems like we're in for another very non-traditional year, thanks to COVID and many other various factors. So typically the award season kicks off with the Golden Globes, but they opted for a private ceremony this year after getting massive backlash last year over the lack of any diversity in their membership and also accusations in an L.A. Times article that their voters voters were being wined and dined by certain shows and movies and playing favorites over the years. So it's just a, a, a whole Pandora's box of controversy got opened uh, last year for the Globes and that led to them losing their broadcast partner in NBC and so they went completely private this year. They had a private event with their membership zero celebrities, zero you know, presenters, the whole thing I mean, it just went off the grid. Keith did not know that this show was happening until no. he started seeing tweets about it last night, right? Yeah, I it was I guess it was maybe last night or this morning. I don't know. Uh. I just saw some Instagram posts that was like so and so from Pose wins. I'm like, did the nominees even come out? I didn't even know that. Yeah, there were some nice things that came out by the way. Uh you you're referring to MJ Rodriguez from Pose being the yeah. first transgender winner of best actress for a, a TV series. So there, you know, there's great stories that came out of this very tiny Twitter thread of an award show. They literally tweeted out the winners. Um, it, it was just beyond bizarre, especially for, I mean, the Globes are such a big deal every year. They're the, you know, the they set the table for the Oscars. You know, there's it's always so much star power and, um, you know, Tina and Amy hosting it and Ricky Gervais hosting it. I mean, it's just it vaporized. Um, it's it's wild. wild. So we'll see what it ever comes back to. I do remember the year of the writer's strike when it was relegated to like a press conference, basically. But there actually was a live stream that year. Like they actually streamed it on the Internet and uh, sort of read the winners live. That didn't even happen this year. Um, So anyway, that's the Globes. Uh, For what it's worth, Billie Eilish and Phineas's Bond theme, No Time to Die from the movie of the same name, won for Best Original Song. And Hans Zimmer won Best Original Score for Dune. Um, And Steven Spielberg's West Side Story also took home three awards, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. So there was some big music winners. Literally didn't even know that until you just told me. (laughs) Well, there was a big controversy on Twitter about the tweet that revealed that news because they it said something to the effect of laughter is the best medicine. West Side Story wins for Best Musical or Comedy. And they're like, what? 
<laughs> like West Side Story is not a comedy. And so they changed it to music is the best medicine. <laughs> anyway, sure. th- this is how that went down. But moving on to uh, one of Billboard's top priorities every year. We were planning on the Grammys happening this month here in L.A. on January 31st. But the Recording Academy announced last week that they are officially postponing the show due to the surge of the COVID-19 Omicron variant. And it's supposed to be moved to the spring, quote unquote. But uh, Billboard sources are saying possibly April. April's looking like, I don't know. It's such a mess. Uh, they're they're working on venues right now. Billboard reported on Friday that they have a hold on the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Um, so, so they're the really Grammys like, are moving to Vegas. Well, they're keeping open their options. I think New York's an option. L.A. is an option. Oh, uh, yeah, man. it's it'll just become a Twitter <laughs> thread. It's I mean, I hope not. Um, the Grammys were also postponed due to covid last year from January to March. And I have to say, um, I, I think Keith and I both spoke positively about this last year. I really liked how they pulled that show off last year with the outdoor awards portion and then the audience free performances inside. And I'm wondering if the move this time around had more to do with like, you know, the week of events around the Grammys. Typically, it's such a big deal. The Clive Davis party, music hairs, person of the year and all these things that couldn't happen last year. I mean, Music Airs specifically, that's like their biggest fundraiser of the year. That person of the year gala, which is supposed to honor Joni Mitchell this year. They can't put Joni Mitchell inside a room oh God, during no. Omicron. No. Like, please, God, don't protect Joni at all costs. Um, so it makes you wonder, like, you know, obviously, I think they could pull off the same kind of show they did last year, which they had Beyonce and Jay-Z show up to. I mean, they had Harry Styles. They had Taylor Swift. Like, they could do that again, but maybe it's, like, the events surrounding it. I don't know. Keith, tell me, I, what do I, you think? <laughs> I I mean, it sounds like it sounds like if if they are potentially moving it to Vegas and they are going to wait until potentially April, then it sounds like they have hope that it's going to be a normal show right. in, in an arena with an audience, with live performances. And maybe they're having to move it back that far because maybe it's hard to get a venue in New York or L.A. in the spring that that like like Staples Center is probably locked up for a while because of sporting events. And the same thing happens with Madison Square Garden, I guess. I mean, which is why April is a mess of a month. I mean, that is literally when all the you know championship series start for uh, for basketball, for NHL. <sighs> I don't know what they're going to do, which is why the MGM Grand makes sense, because it doesn't have to deal with the sporting a sport. This is why T-Mobile is not an option because they have actual sports. Oh, teams right. They have a hockey team with. there. Yeah. Yeah. Oy vey. Oy. Yeah. I, I wish we had more positive uh, news to report on that front. But right now it's kind of a wait and see approach like it is with much else. Um, so we'll keep you posted on, uh, you know, everything that's happening and let you know when they lock in a firm date and obviously cover the Grammys top to bottom whenever they happen. Oh, man. OK, well, <laughs> Um, now it's time for the chart set of the week and it's a quiz, Katie. I had a feeling when my script was just entirely blank after (laughs) this portion of the discussion that a quiz, Katie was on the horizon. See, that means people know that Katie does is not cheating. She doesn't have the script in advance for this portion of the show. Okay, so 
On the occasion of the Encanto soundtrack hitting number one on the Billboard 200, we're going to play a round of Quiz Katie about soundtracks that have reached the top of the chart. Okay, okay. It's a simple quiz. Which of these five soundtracks did not hit number one on the Billboard 200? You're going five this time. That's a lot. Okay. I know. I figured I'd expand it a little bit because maybe it's too easy. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we're going to go with, uh, here's your options. Star Wars, Mm -hmm. uh, the 1977 film, Chariots of Fire, the, the Batman soundtrack from Prince, Wayne's World, and Howard Stern's Private Parts. Which of those my five first, did not go to number my one? My first instinct is Star Wars. Okay, and is that's that what it? I'm gonna say. Yes. Shockingly, you are correct. Yeah. I don't know how you get. How did you guess that? Because I feel like I know about hits, like hit songs from the other ones, and I mean, Star Wars is pretty orchestral. Like, Chariots of Fire had a literal hit with that instrumental song, right? It went to number one on the Hot 100. Yeah, the yeah. main theme, the titles. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's the only thing I was going off of. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll recap this. Star Wars, the, the, the soundtrack, spent three weeks at number two mm. behind Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Okay. Um, and then um, Chariots of Fire was uh, number one for four weeks. Batman was number one for six weeks. Wayne's World was number one for two weeks. And Howard Stern's Private Parts, the album, was number one for one week in 1997. Incredible. I think you wanted me to choose Private Parts, but I didn't fall for the trap. I I, I kind of thought you might guess Wayne's World or Private Parts. I mean, Wayne's World, I mean, was such a moment. I mean, I lived that moment. I don't have any, like, personal ties to the Private Parts soundtrack, but, you know. Most people don't. Um, uh, Howard Stern does, obviously. Yes. Um, all right. So there you have the little quiz, Katie, about soundtracks that hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, we've reached the end of our big shoe. Um, any parting words at the end of our first show of 2022, Katie? I mean, I look forward to the fall Grammys, the autumnal <laughs> Grammys. <laughs> I'm just joking. (laughs) Oh, man. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Man. Oh, man. All right. So what song should we go out on then? Oh, man. Wait, what what song? What is like the hit song from the private part soundtrack? If any, I don't. I mean, offhand, I don't remember. It was a rock. It was a rock soundtrack. Okay. Um, I mean, I got I have to look. I don't really remember pick. I'm going to pick a song from the private part soundtrack right now. Because the internet's going to give me the list. Okay. <laughs> like, that's so, this is so funny. The 90s were funny. I'm going to go with Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water from the Private Part soundtrack. <laughs> we'll go out on that, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Smoke.